Beginning in verse 17 this morning. John's going to talk about love and still continue to talk about love. But uh, he is going to tell us something very practical uh, about love. And one of the things, what it is, is very simply, uh, John says because of love, um, and we didn't uh, plan this out uh, that way, but it did uh, so happen, the song we just sang, uh, Because He Lives, I Can Face the Future. Uh, John's going to tell us something about love here uh, that is very practical. And that is because of the love of God, uh, we don't have to fear the future. We don't have to be afraid uh, of what uh, what is uh, what is out there. Uh, last night I was uh, reading through some different uh, news articles, uh, and one of the articles I came across uh, was entitled "The Six Things You Need to Know" or Six Things You Need to Do in Case of a Nuclear Attack," um, and you know, it's kind of, I read through that list and it was kind of like, I thought about, you know, for a couple of years that, um, you know, the best we had to fight a worldwide pandemic uh, was a 37 cent paper mask. Uh, you know, that was their, their counsel uh, and their, uh, the, the biggest piece of advice they had uh, was go inside. Uh, you know, uh, and, and I'm like, okay, go to the basement if you got one. Uh, that's your advice in case somebody drops, you know, uh, a, a nuclear bomb on us is go to the basement. Uh, I guess, you know, I'm going to be sarcastic a little bit. I guess it makes it easier to bury you if you're in the basement. I don't know. Uh, I just, you know, it was just, I, you know, but uh, there, there were a lot of comments under that article. And, uh, you know, we are living in a time where uh, people are concerned uh, about the future, uh, what is uh, out there, what is, uh, what is uh, coming, what do we do? Uh, well, John wants us to know as believers, uh, we can do a lot of things. Uh, if you want to dig a bomb shelter, go ahead. Uh, if you want to pack up a first aid box, go ahead. You probably should. Anyway, uh, you if you got kids or grandkids, you'll probably need that eventually, whether anybody pushes the big button or not. Um, you, you know, there, there's a lot of things we can do. Uh, but one thing we don't have to do is have a fear of the future. And so John's going to talk about uh, here some things uh, of why uh, that is. Why is it we don't have to fear the future? Look what he says as uh, uh, he opens this section in verse 17, uh, when he said, Herein is our love made perfect, that you may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Uh, I, I, I make jokes and I, I laugh about, uh, again, my, my article about uh, being a, a nuclear attack. Uh, but the reality is uh, there is a far bigger problem uh, facing uh, mankind uh, than a nuclear weapon or a world war or 
a pandemic, uh, there is a far greater issue uh, that needs to be considered. And John calls it uh, here uh, the day of judgment. Uh, there is coming a day, whether it is a, whether it's at the result of, uh, again, a worldwide pandemic, whether it is the result uh, of a world war, or whether it's just the result uh, of age and time, uh, but every man, woman, boy and girl will stand before God. Uh, there is a day uh, of judgment uh, coming where we will stand, every man uh, will stand before uh, the great judge, stand before, uh, before him. And what John says here is that when we, and he's been talking about this uh, back and forth in various ways, pretty much uh, throughout the whole letter, is that loving each other, loving others, uh, is an indicator that we are prepared to stand before God in that day. Uh, it's not about how much money you give to the church. It's not about how often you come to church. It's not about uh, how much of the Bible you have memorized. Uh, because as I said before, the reality is anyone can do those things. Uh, anyone can uh, come to church. Anyone can give an offering. Anyone uh, can read, memorize uh, scripture. Anyone can do those things. It's loving each other uh, that's a challenge. It's loving your fellow man. It's loving uh, your neighbor. It's loving uh, that uh, that person that uh, serves you and uh, waits on you, that uh, cashier at the store. It's loving that person uh, that uh, is riding your bumper down the highway. It's loving that person that gets your parking place uh, as we uh, enter into the Christmas season. Uh, you know, uh, as you know, we get ready to do all that. Christmas shopping, and you've been sitting waiting on that parking place, and just as somebody backs out, they shoot in there. It's loving uh, that person. That's the real challenge. That's the real evidence of having uh, a relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. And John says here, we can be delivered. We are safe uh, from that day uh, of judgment. We can face it. How does he say? He says, Boldly, we can face it boldly uh, in that uh, day of judgment. Uh, I don't know how your doctor works, but uh, seems like now most doctors they have you go uh, and get lab work uh, like a week before you actually see the doctor. And if you've done that, and on the rare occasion, uh, you know, they, now they have all these fancy things. You can look on your phone and, and you can see your lab work uh, before you actually get to the doctor. And, as, and, 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 and I'm just curious, has anybody ever looked at your lab work and it was good? Anybody? Yeah. Okay. Well, pretend... Just imagine, you know, because here's what I've discovered. It don't matter what's on there. They're going to find something to write about. But let's pretend that all your numbers are good. They're all in the right range. You're going to go strolling into the doctor the next week. What's up, doc? You know, you're going to go strolling in there. Why? Because you're not, you're not worried. You know, you've been getting on the scale. You know you've took off a few pounds. 
You know, you've seen your lab work. You know it's all good. Your cholesterol is, you know, not four digits. Uh, you know, you know you, 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 you've seen it. You are ready to see the doctor. On the other hand, what most of us experience is we get that lab work and we start thinking, oh, yeah, and yeah. Well, what happens is you see that lab work ahead of time, and your blood pressure goes up on top of that before you can see him the next week. Well, that's what John is saying here. John is saying that when we love others, when we are demonstrating the love of God, we don't have to be afraid to stand before God. He says we can know boldly. We can live that life of love by loving each other and loving Him. And that's what God wants us to have when you look at this verse. He wants us to have that kind of confidence. Is there a parent in this room who wants their child to be afraid to come talk to them? We want, we want our children, we say we do anyway, we don't always act that way, but we want our children to be able to come to us and talk to us and tell us anything. Well, that's what the, the perfect father wants that. He wants us to be able to come boldly and he wants us to be able to look to the future and, and not have a fear of meeting him. Now that's, that's the desire of God. He wants us to have that kind of confidence. You ask some people, uh, many people for that matter, they say, you know, are you going to heaven? You know, are you, you know, when you die, will you go to heaven? And they'll say something, well, I hope so. Yeah, I think I am. I believe so. Yeah, real weak clock. I, I, I like people, when you ask them, are you going to heaven? Do you know Jesus? Yes, sir. Yeah, they're, they're confident about that fact. That's, way, that's what God wants us to have here, is that kind of confidence. And he says, we can have that when we are living uh, a life uh, of love towards others and towards God. It is a reminder, uh, especially to us, again, that every person will stand before God. The reality is every person in, under the sound of my voice this morning will one day stand before God. And the question is whether you stand there confidently or not. That's the real challenge. And listen, a Christian, a person who is a follower of Jesus Christ, shouldn't uh, be afraid uh, of that judgment. Why? Because he says our judgment is already passed. Our judgment took place at Calvary. Our sin was judged. Our sin was punished. Our sin was dealt with when Jesus went to the cross. So we can stand before him boldly. We can stand before him, he says, uh, uh, with confidence. The fruit of loving God. The fruit of loving God is boldness. It's not, the, the boldness comes from loving God. The boldness comes out of loving God. You know, uh, we can have boldness in our, the, the boldness actually comes out of that. It, again, it's the fruit. It's what happens, John says. When we are loving God, we are loving others, we, listen, simple Simple common sense tells us, observation of the world around us tells us that loving others 
and loving God is not natural. It has got, it has got to the place where, I, you know, first thing I saw this morning when I woke up, I turned on my phone and two people killed at Livingston College and more shot. You know, the shooting in Raleigh. Every day somebody is shot in Charlotte. You know, you couldn't mail me and pour me into Mecklenburg County. You know, it, it, it's everywhere. Killing right out the street out here at the bus stop. You know, not a mile from here hardly. You know, man waiting on a bus. You know, boom. Listen, we live in a world that shows us that love is not natural. So when we see someone, when we experience love, we know that that is God at work in our life. Again, that God is working on us. That God is causing us to, to love others. And how do we perfect that? He says we are like Him. That we become like Him. Christ loved the world. Christ at work in us causes us to love others. And because of that, we can have confidence. I love the word to study. If you, if you do some study on that word confidence. The word confidence means all speech. All speech. All speech. Now, I don't know how many of you in here <clears throat> like baseball. But if you do, or maybe even <clears throat> maybe even if you don't, you are aware that the, the, the baseball playoffs are going on right now. One of the... Do I have to put that back? I told y'all I didn't like them sticks. One of the things, if you've watched baseball, that has happened recently, is in the day... Another job I wouldn't have is being an umpire. In the day of technology, every call they make is, there's 47 cameras, you know, from every angle, slow motion, one frame at a time. They'll split the screen, say a man's going to first base. They'll split the screen, they got one camera zeroed in on the base, one camera gets zeroed in on the first baseman's glove. And they go frame by frame, and you can tell beyond a doubt whether the foot got to the bag or whether the ball got to the glove first. But now, the umpire doesn't have that great freedom. He's got to in a split second decide which one got there first. They, if you've watched baseball, they'll take him with computers, I guess, up around home plate. They'll draw, they'll have a box imposed on your screen, and you can tell whether the ball went through the strike zone or not. Now, there have been all year long, if you kept keep up with baseball, there have been some absolutely horrible calls at home plate. I mean, there have been balls that they have shown missing the plate by six, eight inches, the umpire calls them strike. You know, there have been some terror. Of course, there's been some that were right down the middle and they caught them all. But the umpire has to make that call. Now, on occasion, there was one play 
uh, it wasn't in the playoffs. This was several weeks ago. Man was running home. Guy throws the ball from the outfield to the catcher. The catcher hits him in the glove, and the ball goes rolling back behind the catcher. Catcher goes down with empty glove, tags the man. Now, he didn't beat him to the plate. Problem was, ball was laying back here. Umpire, you know how they can be when they rip. Ow! The guy running home loses his mind. Why? Because there's no way I'm out. The ball is over there. And he goes crazy. And if you've ever watched baseball, you know some of those discussions between players, coaches, and umpires can be eh, slightly heated. You know, just a little bit. You know, if you, if you ever kept up with baseball, you, you know, they can get What happens? Under all speech, the guy who knows he's safe because the ball is over there, he's going to argue, he's going to fight, he's going to scream, he's going to yell. You know, watch the replay, do whatever you got to do. I was safe. He's going to call the umpire every name under the sun. He, I mean, it, there's no end to what he's going to say or do because he knows he's safe because the ball is over there. What John is saying when he says we can have confidence is we can slide into home knowing we are safe. Because the ball is over there. He says we can have that kind of confidence under all speech that we can be sure of the fact because of the love of God, because what God ha has done. The, the player had all confidence, all boldness. Why? Because he knew he was safe. You and I, John says, don't have to live under fear, under concern, you know, under, under worry that Jesus Christ is coming again, under fear of standing before God in, in the judgment one day. We don't have to be afraid of that. We can live with boldness, with all confident speech, because God has loved us. His love is evident in our life. He has that confidence. Listen, and because, you know, anybody in here, you ever got into a, we'll call it discussion again, with someone, and you weren't sure you had all your facts straight? What do you say in those kind of debates? Well, I'm pretty sure, I'm 99% sure, I think, I believe, but have you ever got into one of those kind of conversations when you know that you know that you know what you saw? I know I saw it. Saw it with my own eyes. See, he didn't tell me about it. I didn't read about it in the paper. I saw it with my own eyes. 
How many of you know that when you saw it with your own eyes, it changes the way all us say it? It changes the way you argue. Doesn't it? When you know what you did. Debbie, if somebody came in you and said you gave that person the wrong medicine, and you have no doubt, you checked it, double-checked it, triple-checked it, read it, turned it upside down, over, back, and forth, you know, you're going to argue for your life, ain't you? Now, if you was real busy and just run by and grab the bottle, you might not argue the same way, correct? That's what John is saying. That the love of God gives us that kind of confidence. That we can boldly say, we can boldly say we're prepared to stand before God. And the question this morning is then this, is when that day comes, do you have that kind of confidence? If that day was today, and listen, it very well could be. Do you have that kind of confidence? Some of you here have been around here long enough. You remember Kevin Horsley. Kevin played the piano. Kevin had brain tumor, had all kinds of chemo, everything else that went on in his life. But I don't know if you know what ended up happening with Kevin, but Kevin moved back to Kentucky where he was from. And on a New Year's Eve night, he and his mother had went to the church service, church where they went to church for a New Year's Eve service. And they got ready to leave that church service, excited, been to service to worship him. Praise God, excited about a new year coming in. As they pulled out of the parking lot, she pulled out in front of the vehicle, killed them both. Could be today. Are you confident? John says you can be. John says you should be confident, boldly ready, because the day is coming when you will stand before God and John says, you can stand there with no fear because you have loved as Jesus loved. You have been loved by the love of God. God loves you and you have reflected that love in the world. And John says, because of that, we do not need to fear the future. I've read, and you probably have too, all kinds of things about the situation in the Ukraine. Will Putin use nuclear weapons? If he does, what will we do? You know, listen, I don't particularly want to be nuked. I just soon not glow. You know, I glow enough as it is. I don't need to be green. You know, I don't want to grow an extra head or anything. I don't know what all nuclear stuff does to you. But if he pushes it, if he pushes the button, and we push the button, and we blow this whole place up, I can tell you confidently and boldly, I'm not afraid of tomorrow. And if you can't say that, 
Today is the day you need to correct that problem. I mean, here's reality. I'm more concerned about my heart stopping ticking. I'm more concerned about the way I drive. I'm more concerned about Rhonda choking me in my sleep. Yeah. I, and I have it coming. I'm just going to be honest. Just because, only because she has the love of God in her, sign that she, sign that she can face God boldly, is because she hadn't killed me. She's got to have the love of God in her. I know that. But I can say with John, confidently and boldly, that I know who holds tomorrow. If you can't, today is the day of salvation. John gives us a second thing that the love of God produces in our heart. Not only confidence, but contentment. Look what he says. He says, there's no fear in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. John here uses two words he hasn't used before. Fear and torment. Or fear and punishment. John hasn't used those words previously. And he writes these words in a, think about it, he uses the word for the first time, fear and punishment, fear and torment, not to the drug dealer, not to the pornographer, but John is writing to the church, believers, when he brings out these words. And he said, so, so the question is, is it possible then that a believer actually could live in fear and torment? Absolutely. Absolutely. Unfortunately, a, a lot of people who are, and I can tell you from almost 40 years in the ministry of sitting down and talking with a lot of people, unfortunately, many people who are, I believe, genuinely saved. Not just in word only, but are genuinely saved. Are living in fear and torment day after day after day. Because they don't have the confidence. We have taken the word, the Greek word, and, and brought it into the English, the word phobia. All of you have heard the word phobia. You look that up. It's amazing. You go a little digging. It doesn't take long. It's amazing to dig out all the phobias. You know, there's acrophobia, fear of heights. My wife's got that. A lot of y'all have that. Fear of heights, acrophobia, hydrophobia, fear of water. Um, John is talking about. He's, he's talking about, he had, John didn't know the word, but what the fancy word is, listrophobia, fear of judgment. There's even a, uh, a word for, for fear of fears. I can't remember which one, what that is. John's talking about a fear of judgment. There are a lot of people who genuinely, I believe, know Christ, and yet there is something in their past that haunts you. I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't need you to come to the confessional. 
We're not cats. But has have you ever dealt with something like this in your walk with God? You said or did something or didn't say or didn't do something and almost immediately like in the cartoons, you know, when the devil pops up on one shoulder and an angel pops up on the other and almost immediately the devil pops up and leans over and whispers in your ear and says, if you were really a Christian, you wouldn't have done that. A real Christian would have never said that. A real Christian would have never acted like that. A real Christian wouldn't have done what you just did. You, you, you going to hate. God could never love somebody like you. Has that little voice ever climbed up on your shoulder and you were thinking about maybe getting up and, and testifying and, and, and bragging on Jesus and instead Satan climbed up on your ears and don't do that. They know what they, they know about your past. Who do you think you are? Whew. I told you I didn't want you to volunteer, but the guilt is showing all over the place. We've probably all been through something like that. We've probably all lived through that. Some lived through that continually. Almost daily of Satan robbing them of their joy. You remember when the Bible talks about knowing the joy of our salvation? You understand you can know salvation without having the joy of your salvation? You can be saved you can be on your way to heaven, but Satan rob you of your joy because of the fear and the torment here. You're, you're afraid. You're scared. Listen, it might be a combination. It might be something that happened in the past. For some people, it's something happening right now. You know, we're, you're doing things. You're involved in things. It's something in the future that, that you know is coming up. And Satan will take that and just beat you to death with it. Just torment you with it, John says. Listen, a believer in Christ does not have to fear the past, the present, or the future. You don't have to be afraid of that. Not any of those things. Because John says we have experienced the love of God and it is being perfected in us day in and day out. A Christian doesn't have to fear the judgment. We don't have to fear the judgment because Christ has already suffered on the cross for our sins. I like Jim will, Jim will give you a verse pretty often. You know what that verse is, Jim? You know which one I'm talking about? By his stripes, we are healed. Jim likes that verse. I, I, I know. He hadn't had to tell me he likes it. I know he likes it. Listen, past, present, or future, we, our sins have already been dealt with. They have already 
been judged. They have already been dealt with and released. John, uh, John in, in his gospel says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on my word, on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. We can be content, John says. We can be confident. Romans says, therefore there is now no condemnation. You know what the word no in that verse, what it means, what the what the, the Greek word no means? No. Y'all are getting pretty good at this foreign language stuff. It means no condemnation to them which are in Jesus Christ. He says we can be content that way. Judgment is not. For, for Listen to me. You don't hear anything else I've said this morning. Write this down. Get this in your head. For the Christian... Judgment is not in the future, it's in the past. It's already been done. It's already been dealt with. It's already been handled. Listen, our sins have already been judged. Dr. Stanley Jones, and I, I want to read this to get it right. He says, am I, in, I am inwardly fashioned for faith, not for fear. Fear is not my native land, faith is. I am so made that worry and anxiety are sand in the machinery of life. Faith is all. I live better by faith and confidence than by fear, doubt, and anxiety. In anxiety and worry, my being is gasping for breath. They are not my native air. But in faith, and confidence, I breathe freely. This is my native there. I'm afraid that for some people, fear, doubt is native to them. They've just got accustomed to it. John challenges us to live in the contentment of faith. To live in the confidence of faith. It's not native. John Hopkins University has done a study and shown, proven beyond statistical question, that worriers die sooner than non-worriers. It's not what God wants for His people. God wants His people to be content. We are inwardly designed to serve. We are inwardly designed to love. God made us that way. To live in worry is against the design that God made for us. The plan that He had. God wants His children to live in that atmosphere of love. Listen, I'm not giving you some puffing stuff speech this morning. I'm just telling you it's the way God made us. God made us to be confident and content in His love. And the third thing His love does is our capacity. John says here, he says, we love Him because He first loved us. We are able to love because 
he loved us. That confidence becomes contentment, becomes concern for others. John has made it clear through this whole letter. If you say you love God, you'll love others. You'll love others. Loving one another proves that we love God. How, how do we know that we love God? How can we know that we actually do love God? We know, first of all, we love God because we know God's love for us. That's what he says to us in verse 19. He loves us. We've seen his love. We've experienced his love. Therefore, we love him. We Second, we know we love God because we don't hate our brother. If we love, listen, this is going to make challenge some of you a little bit. If we love God, it is impossible for us to hate our brother because God is love. And if we have the nature of God in us, then we love our brothers. We love our brothers. The only reason we have the capacity to love is because you have been the recipient of love. You have received the love. I don't typically read much of what Spurgeon wrote because he writes a lot smarter than I read. Okay? But I did like this. Is what is it that we have been talking about? It is God's love to us. Get the thought into your head a minute. God loves me. Not merely bears with me, thinks of me, feeds me, but loves me. Oh, it's a very sweet thing to feel that we have the love of a dear wife or a kind husband. There's much sweetness in the love of a fond child or a tender mother. But to think that God loves me is infinitely better. Who is it that loves you? God, the maker of heaven and earth, the almighty, all in all. Does he love me? Even he, if all men and all angels and all the living creatures that are before the throne loved me, it would be nothing compared to this. The infinite loves me. God loves me. And who is it that he loves? Me. The text saith us. We love him because he first loved us. But this is the personal point. He loves me. An insignificant nobody. Full of sin. Who deserved to be in hell. Who loves him so little in return. God loves me. What a thought. John's logic is flawless. It's what we call the lesser to greater argument. The gist is that if you don't have the ability to love your brother who you can see, 
it is impossible for you to love God who you don't see. If you can't manage to love his creatures, then you cannot love the creator. If you don't have the capacity to love his children, then you cannot love the Father. John Stott says it's obviously easier to love a visible man than an invisible God. Makes sense. And if we fail the easier task, it is absurd to claim that we can accomplish the harder. If we don't love others, how can we say we love God? When it's through that love that John says we have confidence, we have contentment, and we have the capacity to love others. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what today holds. Some of you, a few of you, know the story of Pastor Hamstock, pastor of this church. Back in the 70s, stood in the pulpit, preached a sermon, got sick, later that evening, heart attack and passed away. None of us know what the future holds, except for this. I don't know how you're going to get there. It may be through death. It may be through rapture. I don't know. But one day, everyone in this room, everyone online, for that matter, everybody else, you're going to stand before God. And you can stand there confidently. You can stand there with contentment. You can stand there with fear. Which will it be? When I ask you to bow your heads this morning. There are, I have no doubt, Men and women in this room who know that you know that you know. There's no question in your heart that you have been saved. You know. You remember the day. You remember the time when you asked Christ in your heart. But yet, you live as John said, in fear and torment. Satan has robbed you of the joy of your salvation. 
He has taken away from you the sweet walk with the Lord by causing you to question and doubt and wonder, could God really save you? Would God really save you? Does God really love me? Do I really love God? I want to invite you this morning to come and kneel. Let's pray together that God would give you the confidence and contentment so that then you can have the capacity to love others. That the love of God would be so real in your life that it flows freely onto everyone you come into contact with. But there are also some here today, some online, that you may be in this situation. You may be fearing the judgment legitimately because you know in your heart you've never asked Christ into your life. You've been in church. You've sung in church. You've taught. You've given. But the truth is you've never asked Jesus Christ to save you. You've never become a follower of Jesus Christ. You're a church member. You're a church goer. But you don't know Jesus personally. Would you come this morning? Let me show you from God's word how you can be saved. God, just lay one more thing on Mark. Maybe this morning there's some here. Maybe you have been saved, but you've never followed Christ in baptism. You've never been baptized. And because of that, Satan is able to scare you and put doubt in your mind. You need to be baptized. You want to be baptized. You've been saved but never followed him in believer's baptism. You want to come this morning and present yourself for baptism. Whatever God's laying on your heart, we can be confident and we can be content. God did not design us to live in fear and worry. I have not given you the spirit of fear, he says. Father, we come to you this morning. <laughs> Lord, asking you to touch hearts all over this building today. God, there are those who know you as their Savior, who have been saved, who know beyond the shadow of the doubt. But for some reason, Satan is able to torment them. Now help us to remember today that our judgment is in the past, not in the future. God, I pray today that you'll lift that burden off of believers today. God, give believers the confidence and contentment you mean for us to have. God, for the one today that needs to know Christ, you've never asked them into their heart. Do they know that if they were to leave this world today, if they were to die today, that they'd die lost, separated from you for eternity? Would you stir in their heart and desire that they would come forward asking Christ into their life? Now, if there is one today, that part of the reason for their doubt is they've never followed you in baptism. Now, would you stir their heart? Whatever the need is this morning, to give us the confidence and contentment you intend for us to have. Would you do that for us today? Which in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Uh, God, that you will give us the confidence, uh, the security we need, uh, not to live in the fear and the torment of Satan. We'll be there all for all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.